I'm Lynette Zhang, Chief Market Analyst here at ITM Trading, a full-service physical gold and silver dealer specializing in strategies. And part of the strategy is food. And we're doing a special Q&A today. And I have with me Lindsay, who has her degree in horticulture and has been beyond belief wonderful in bringing this farm up to where it really needs to, to be and actually getting production. So we have a first question, GN from Instagram. And that's why I asked her to join us today because she can frankly answer this question a whole lot better than I can. So GN asks, Lynette, I've been watching you for almost a year now. Thank you very much, by the way. Been inspired by your mantra, and I am finally starting to plan out some space in my backyard for a produce garden. Can you talk more about your garden and what plants did you have success with when you first when you were first starting your garden? Well, I personally, um, I had some success with like broccoli and cauliflower and things like that. But let me turn this over to the real expert, because my broccoli probably cost me a million dollars. Okay. Hi, everyone. Um, so, yeah, this is a very common question when people are starting their gardens. Like, what's the easiest, fastest thing to grow? What are you going to get the most success with? Um, I like to go by the rule of thumb that if you can plant it directly into the ground, it's going to be a little bit easier than if you have to start a seed inside and then plant it. Um, mm -hmm. So any crops like lettuce, squash, melon, things that can easily go into the ground, those are going to give you a better head start. They're going to give you more confidence when you see them germinating. Um, and they're just faster crops to grow. Also, if you look at the back of your seed packets when you're planting and you see that germination percentage, so most seed packets will give you that, that gives you a really good reference point to how finicky a plant is going to be. So certain plants like squash will have like a 98% germination rate, but a plant like carrots might only have like a 70% chance. So that's oh, going to- that's interesting. Yeah, that gives you a good indicator of how easy that plant is going to be to grow because lower germination rates will also mean it's more finicky, it might be more prone to disease. So things like that are just easy to consider. Well, I have some questions too, you know, because we're now in spring, so yay, that's a really good time of year to start planting. But is it different in different parts of the country? Because we don't know where GN is. Um, so how can, how can, if she's in, say, Washington State, and we're down here in Arizona, how can she know what is right for her area? Yeah, definitely. So if you live in a little bit more of a mild climate, which is most of the country, their summers are a little bit more mild than here. Yeah, uh, here it's brutal. <laughs> so it's a little bit easier to grow more things. Um, we're pretty limited here, especially on vegetable crops, what we can grow. But easy summer crops that'll grow no matter where you live in the United States and most summers anywhere mm -hmm. are going to be your squash, cucumbers. You're going to have flowers like zinnias. Zinnias are a really good beginner flower. They're easy. They germinate. They're and beautiful. They're pretty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sunflowers also, but also things like lettuce. So lettuce here, we only have a few varieties that will really stand the test of the summer. But in other parts of the countries, you can have a lot more liberty to plant any kind of lettuce you want. Arugula does really well, and that's a really fast crop. So mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. Lots of things. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in. And if you have any garden questions or anything like that, I mean, Lindsay is amazing and Laura's amazing too. They're both co-managers of the property. And this property has truly, I, we should, we should, well, you post pictures of it on Instagram, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I can't even tell you what a difference a year makes. You actually haven't even been here a year yet. And I have all the produce that I need. We get, we have a lot that we get to donate as well. We're starting CSA baskets. I mean, it, it's a miracle, really, what, what you and Laura have done. And I'm really appreciative. Patience and just keep trying and see what works best for your garden. So good luck. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okie doke. Now you just have me, so you'll just have to. <laughs> we'll go with that. Let's see. What is that next question? Okay. MS asks, what does she mean, probably me, mean by burning off the debt. And what I mean by that is that you're taking uh, dollars with less value and paying that debt off with it rather than doing an over visible default. So that's what I mean. And Craig J asks, how is physical gold going to help during a financial crisis with a dollar that has zero value if merchants cannot purchase my gold? Doesn't that render my physical gold as worthless? The answer is no, because it's not the merchants. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not planning on taking my gold to any merchant. I will liquidate it through ITM, but there's, there's a huge network of dealers where you can liquidate your gold anyway, jewelry shops, pawn shops. I mean, you should be working with a reputable dealer and they will buy that back. But the piece that you need to understand, Craig, is that it's not just this monetary instrument. It has use right across the um, entire global economy. So there's always, it has the most functionality and the broadest base of buyer with the highest level of demand. And it also has all of the features and criteria to be a good currency and is what they revalue the currency against. So gold is always, always, always has more demand than any other asset or instrument. The price is easy to manipulate via paper which is why we've seen global central banks accumulating, like I think annually, don't hold me to this, I have the data right in front of me, but I'll be pretty close, like 20% of the mine supply. And how come the price is still only at 17 whatever? Because a rising price, a gold price is an indication of a failing currency. So the way that gold, and, and remember too, you know, I talk about Venezuela all the time. But globally, on average, about 80% of the population ends up in abject poverty. I didn't say 100%. In Venezuela, 90% has ended up in abject poverty. I didn't say 100%. So those that have wealth will look to how they can sustain and maintain and grow that wealth. And that's really where gold comes in. And not just for you but for everybody that holds it, that's why the central banks are buying it. 
So um, yeah, that does not render your physical gold as worthless. It actually does just the opposite because it's the only money that actually has value. And it has value because it has the broadest functionality, lots and lots and lots and lots of uses across medicine and manufacturing, as well as jewelry and art and food and the monetary system. Why don't you think what else has that level of functionality, which means there's always a buyer. You tell me what else can do that. Nothing else. That's why. That's why you need to have gold and silver, but silver has a different functionality. And Bill R asks, after the crash of US currency, which is better to have for barter and retail, American silver eagles or five ounce America the beautiful? Well, for, you know, for barter, it's going to go down to the weight. So any of the above is fine. I like even, you know, junk silver. And of course, you've seen my dish of, you know, scrap silver, you know, salt and pepper shakes, because regardless of its form, gold and silver is always monetary at its base. So you want fractional or smaller than the ounce um, sizes. Like for example, I probably have more dimes than I do silver dollars because it is easier to put 10 dimes together than it is to break a silver dollar in half. So you want a variety of sizes and a variety of forms that will all serve that barterable person purpose for retail. Because of course, there are also lots of easy test kits out there. And of course, if you're going into a retailer, they're going to have scales and everything's going to be tied to the computer and they're going to prefer that over the worthless cash. So you want a variety, you want a variety of sizes. And right now I hate to tell you this, but I don't think we can be that picky. It's availability. So get it, get it soon, get whatever you can. Um, I, I don't go five ounces is like too big to put in my pocket and take someplace. So I like smaller pieces. So I've had to choose between those two. You know, I'd rather have the one ounce silver Eagles than the five ounce American, the beautiful. Okay. And Jeff P asks, should I continue to hold some cash on hand? Yes. The cash is our first line of defense. And if you've taken it out of the system, that means that it's also cash in the wild. So when they introduce, presuming they continue to keep cash, because they are talking about that for, for a minute anyway, because they want to make this transition, right? So, uh, but the, that cash will have a chip embedded that will enable it to go to negative rates. So you're holding a dollar, but by the time you use it, by the time you deposit it, maybe only it's only worth 44 cents or something like that. Whereas the uh, current cash, I, I do not know that they've put chips in the currencies yet to control that. Maybe they have that technology. Maybe they don't. I don't really know. But um, I know that if it's older bills, those certainly do not have any chips in them and they're classified as cash in the wild. And uh, a retailer would be more likely to accept that kind of cash because it maintains the principal, not the purchasing power, but at least the principal 
versus the kind that erodes your principal with the chip in it, the kind that erodes your principal anyway. And uh, so the answer is yes, you should hold some cash on hand. And the strategy based upon your your cost of living, your current cost of living, your goals, et cetera, et cetera. If you call and talk to one of our, uh, of, of our specialists, they'll be able to help you determine the right amount of gold and silver for you to hold for yourself. Because it's different for everybody, just based upon your, your circumstances, your goals, et cetera. Like, like I will, I definitely have enough silver well, I never have enough, but I have, but I, but at this point to my strategy, I have enough silver for myself as well as my two daughters, because it's important for me to help them sustain their standard of living. But not everybody feels that way. I know people that just, well, they're, they're doing fine. They're okay. So I'm just going to be concerned with mine. So that's why I can't just give you a blanket answer because my goals and circumstances are going to be different than yours. But if you call and you talk to a strategy specialist here at ITM, they can help give you that guidance after an in-depth conversation so that they understand what your goals are. And uh, Pat asks, how will we be able to pay off a mortgage, pay taxes, buy a car, great question, et cetera, with gold and silver when we are using a digital currency? Will coin shops or online de dealers be a viable resource? <clears throat> Excuse me. And the answer is yes. Just because we go into a digital currency, history has shown us 6,000 years that 100% of the time, you could always convert your gold into any other currency and therefore any other good or any other service. So why, I mean, I can't guarantee you that this time is not different, but 6,000 years of history tells me that this time is not likely to be different, especially the vulnerability that comes with being in a fully digitized economy, like the grid going down, hack attacks. I mean, cybersecurity has become a huge issue. And even when we're going to the CBDCs, the central bank digital currencies, I mean, we see how our government has been handling uh, the fallout from the most recent cyber attacks. Just talked about that yesterday, I think, or the day before, something like that. I think it was yesterday. You know, not great. So, uh, yeah, the way that you're going to pay off your mortgage, pay your taxes, buy a car, buy a building... Okay. Now some of it you may do direct because I'm telling you, if you're buying something from me, I would rather have the gold than I would the fiat. However, in many cases, that's not going to be an option. In some cases it will, in many cases it will not be, but because of the broad demand for gold, you will, or, and silver and silver, both, you will be able to convert it into the fiat money, whether it's digital or whatever it is, and then buy your car, pay your taxes, pay off a mortgage, etc. That's how you're going to do it. And if you just keep watching, I will let you know when I'm doing that for myself. And that'll be a key as to when you might want to do it. You have to do what you're comfortable with, but I'll, I'll keep you posted on what I'm doing. So that's it. No more questions for today. Wow. Okie dokie then.
The weather is gorgeous out there. And now you can go out, take a wonderful walk, which is so good for your health anyway. And listen to, to me and Eric when we do the Q&A, whatever you want to listen to, on our new podcast from your favorite podcast platform. So you can listen to us anywhere without interruption. So excited about that. Also, you know, I think uh, I think Edgar has been doing a phenomenal job, especially with behind the scenes. So we had that farm question, but I think you're do you're showing a lot about the farm, and we're and just stay tuned. We're we're really 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 close to introducing something really 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 special to you, and I think you're gonna like it a lot. So for now, you know, it is absolutely time to cover your assets. And here at ITM Trading, frankly, we use the Wealth Shield, which the foundation is physical gold, physical silver. But as you know, you need the whole mantra, food, water, energy, security, as well as that barter ability and wealth preservation. And community is so critically important. Maybe you don't possess a certain skill, but somebody in your community does. You possess another skill that they don't, and you come together and you help each other. And that is so critically important today and definitely tomorrow. So until then, when I'll see you, please be safe out there. Bye-bye.